Unleavened Bread Ministries presents From your hands, your feet, your side Unleavened Bread Bible Studies with David Eels Can quench my thirsting soul Purest water make me whole Let your streams of mercy flow Oh Jesus, I trust in you Greetings, saints. Greetings, saints. Many blessings to you. Thank you for joining us today for the Unleavened Bread Bible Study. And Father, thank you for blessing this meeting today and anointing us and anointing our ears and eyes. And uh, thank you so much for what you're doing and teaching us and guiding us and preparing for the things to come. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're going to talk about escaping the harlot and the beast. And several revelations to share with you here. Um, One of them we called Escaping the Apostate Church System. And that was given to Tiana Fire, 1125-22. She said, I dreamt that Samuel and I we're working at a professing Christian daycare center, hmm, which was connected with a Christian resort. Hmm, sounds strange. Um, Samuel and Tiana, I believe, represent the first fruits bride body that has come to maturity and has a responsibility to help those who are spiritually younger to grow up into Christ. The Christian resort represents the apostate church system that is permanently on vacation from living the crucified life necessary to grow up. As you know, the crucified life is us dying and Christ coming to life in us, right? Which is the word coming to pass in us. So that's not what's happening there. Um And Tiana said, I felt much love for the children there and was very protective of them. Um, However, I felt that they weren't being looked after in a holy way, but in a worldly way. Well, the children here are children spiritually because they are immature Christians brought up in a system that won't let them go beyond what they've been taught. Apostate Christianity doesn't feed their children the true gospel, which is what they need to mature spiritually. Uh, They teach them a worldly Christianity. Tiana said, I knew that if we taught the truth and did things the way God has shown us, that we would receive much persecution. True. Uh, Hebrews ten thirty two through 34 says, But call to remembrance the former days in which, after you were enlightened, you endured a great conflict of sufferings, partly being made a gazing stock, both by reproaches and afflictions, and partly becoming partakers with them that were so used. For you both had compassion on them, that were in bonds and took joyfully the spoiling of your possessions, uh, knowing that you have for yourselves a better possession and an abiding one. 
So she said, remember looking at some of the toys that the children were playing with, and I felt that uh, they were inappropriate and uh, weren't toys that we would let our own children play with. Well, toys, I believe, represent role-playing. Kids like to play like they're grown-ups, and they are doing this and they're doing that, you know. Role-playing. Many times we become what we role-play. So we should be taught the right role, right? Second Corinthians 3 and 18, We behold in a mirror the glory of the Lord and are transformed into that same image from glory to glory. And First John 2 and 6 says, He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also to walk even as he walked. So there's our role, uh, to walk in the steps of Jesus. The apostate church does not believe that we can walk as he walked. Uh, the children uh, books, she said, had much leaven, and the staff weren't on fire for God. Not filled with the Holy Spirit in most cases. So, Well, apostate Christian leaders put out uh, many leavened books and materials that not only raise money for themselves, but keep people trapped in their religious daycare centers. And Tiana said, this represents a dead religion and spiritually dead leaders looking after baby Christians. And there'll never be anything but baby Christians if they listen to them. I felt disappointed because I knew that God had more for us to do in His kingdom rather than being here. Well, when we outgrow our religious playpens, we feel disappointed and unsatisfied with apostate Christianity. And we begin to look for more, right? Uh, we spent the day looking after the children and cleaning up after them, representing cleaning up their soul by introducing them to the true gospel. We were cooking for the staff and children. In other words, they were making food for both of them. They both needed to be trained, right? And meeting the other workers. Uh, representing feeding them spiritual food. Yes, and that's so that they could grow up and mature and climb out of the playpen. Amen. At the end of the day, all the parents came to pick up their children, and we spoke with them. I believe the parents here represent the leadership of each individual denomination who are using this spiritual daycare center, this corporate daycare center approach, you know. They seemed kind but were unaware or didn't care that this Christian daycare was far from holiness. Well, in most cases, they don't know what holiness is. It is separation from the worldly ways and the worldly church. So, she said, said representing apostate leaders not caring nor leading baby Christians in spiritual growth. Also, loving the cares and comforts of the world, which appear righteous, but underneath is contrary to the way of Jesus. Well, this is true. And Matthew twenty-three twenty-five to 28 says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you cleanse the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. Blind Pharisee, 
cleanse first the inside of the cup and the platter, and that its outside may become clean also. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whited sepulchers, which outwardly appear beautiful, but inwardly are full of dead men's bones, and of all uncleanness. Thus you also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but inwardly are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Yes, it's lawless. They, they look nothing like the church in the Bible. They have totally departed from the Word. One of the pair of parents I spoke with were two homosexual men, and I was shocked that they were part of this so-called Christian resort. Well, there are many homosexuals accepted into different denominations of apostate Christianity today, uh, including being ordained as ministers, etc. And, of course, their spirits are passed on to the people that they're dealing with. Okay, And on top of this, there is a multitude of bisexual people in our modern-day Sodom. They conveniently ignore what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 and 10. Or know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with men, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. They're deceiving themselves and they're deceiving others. They are not saved. And although we knew so many things weren't right with this place, we were still kind, loving, patient, and graceful to every person that we spoke with. Well, in 1 Corinthians 9 and 22, we're told to, To the weak I am become weak, that I may gain the weak. I am become all things to all men, that I may by all means save some. And also, uh, Romans 12 and 18 says, If it be possible, as much as in you lieth, be at peace with all men. With all men. Okay. Well, uh, she said this represents bearing fruit of the Holy Spirit. Yes, uh, we, we should show our fruit everywhere we go, even to the perverts and even to everybody. Galatians five twenty two through 23 says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Amen. When most of the staff had gone home and all of the children had left um, with their parents, Samuel and I quickly met up to speak quietly, hoping no one would hear. We both were in agreement that we didn't feel to stay here and that there were so many things not right, even though the wage was really large. Well, um, the temptation of riches shouldn't compromise our commitment to follow our Lord, she said, and, of course, keep His commandments. If we're following the Lord, we keep His commandments. Um, Romans 12 and 2 be not fashioned according to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind, that you may prove what is the good and well-pleasing and perfect will of God. 
Let me say that some people are tricked into staying in Babylon to try to reform it. But the Bible says she would not be healed. Let us go, everyone, to his own land. It is so true. Move over. You're actually causing people to stay there because they're hearing something good that they need. Okay? But you need to go uh, elsewhere. And First uh, Peter one thirteen through 16 says, Wherefore... Gr- Girding up your loins of the, of your mind, be sober, set your mind perfectly on the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As children of obedience, not fashioning yourselves according to your former lusts in the time of your ignorance, but like as he who called you is holy, be you also holy in all manner of living. Because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Uh, again, holy is um, separation from the world and its ways, and the worldly church and its ways. We uh, both felt that as soon as we finished our shift, we would go quickly home and pack up all of our things and move north. <laughs> well, uh, God's throne is located on the uttermost parts of the north, uh, according to Isaiah uh, 14 and 13. Uh, and she says, uh, Ecclesiastes 3 and 1, For everything there is a season and a time for every purpose under heaven. Yes, this is true. And and once we were are away from this resort, we would call the owner and tell them that we are quitting this job. Well, Let me point out to you who is the owner of the apostate church. Jesus said to the apostate leaders of his day in John 8 and 23, You are from beneath. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. In 2 Corinthians 11 and 4, For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus, whom we did not preach, or if you receive a different spirit which we did not receive, or a different gospel which you did not accept, you do well to bear with him. And that's sarcasm. The owner is um, Satan, who is the ruler of this world, and all who are worldly. They are only two men in the earth, Christ and Antichrist, Romans 6 and 16 says, Know ye not that to whom you present yourselves as servants unto obedience, his servants you are whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. Amen. So come ye out from among them. You don't understand. The dragon is ruling over that system. It's a placebo. When the Shift had finished, we walked out to our white four-wheel drive vehicle. And this vehicle is probably representing a wilderness vehicle of uh, sanctification that can traverse all kinds of terrain without losing traction, right? And uh, we are to be sure-footed, you know. Psalm 121.3 says, He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. Amen. Samuel called um, Michael Hare to pray and ask advice about which town we should move to. And, well, 
She said, Michael means who is like God and represents our Father God. Amen. And there were two places that we were deciding between near a town called Emerald. Emerald is a precious green gem. Or further north, maybe something more valuable than emerald, she says. (laughs) Yeah, maybe so. We were prepared to leave immediately. And um, she has in parenthesis, uh, we should always be ready to move when God says and to not be attached to this world. Uh, she said we only had a few lights, light things so that we would be easily moved, right? Well, amen. This is the days to be light, folks. Get rid of things you do not need, you know, take care of the kingdom with it and move on. And Michael and Samuel um, were on a video, she said, uh, speaking about all that had happened uh, and our plans. And while praying, Michael confirmed to us to leave that night. Okay. Probably representing, consulting with the Lord concerning His will for our lives. Um, James four thirteen through 16 says, Come now, ye that say, today or tomorrow we will go into this city, and spend a year there, and trade, and get gain. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. What is your life? For you are a vapor that appeareth for a little time, and then vanisheth away. For that you ought to say, If the Lord wills, we shall both live, and do this or that. But now you glory in your vauntings. All such glorying is evil." Our own plans are evil, and and when we declare it out of our mouths, it's evil. We need to say, well, if the Lord wills, you know, we'll do this or do that, right? So during the call, I remember that the Christian resort had taken in five homeless men. Hmm. Well, five represents grace, and uh, these are, I believe, the elect among the apostate church, who will have eyes to see and ears to hear by the grace of God, uh, and they'll come out from among them. And as we will see, they are homeless because Christ in them has nowhere to lay his head among the apostates. This home is not our world, in other words, right? Um, I thought they would be hungry because the owner gave them a place to stay, but not any food or water. Well, the devil is not opposed to us having fine buildings. (laughs) He doesn't want us to spend our money on fine buildings like the worldly church does. But people, because people are the temple of God, not the buildings. So, But he's not opposed to us having fine buildings. He's opposed to us having the spiritual food that leads us to Christ. So um, they're, they're not feeding the water there, the washing of the water with the Word, right? So I then walked over to a food van and bought food and bottles of water and took it to them. I spoke with them about Jesus. They hadn't been open to what the owner was saying about Jesus. That's these five, right? However, when I spoke to them the truth of the gospel... They were receiving and interested. Yes, amen. 
God has opened their eyes and given them spiritual discernment, and they will come out from among them. They're just a passing through, right? Like many of us, right? Um, she said, I gave them all the money that I had on me. Well, the, uh, the bride sacrifices her life for her brethren, just as Jesus did, in order that they may come out and be free and grow up in Him, right? I came back to the car, and Samuel had agreed with Michael that we go home tonight, pack up and head north, and that we were to keep driving, and God will show us which town we were to live in next. Amen. (laughs) You don't need to know till you need to know, right? Then I was in the Spirit up high, and I saw Samuel and I driving in the white car going north, driving into the sunset. Well, I would say the sunset um, shows that they were escaping apostate Christianity and were now headed towards the going down of the sun, S-U-N slash S-O-N, which represents the crucified life. Amen? Yep, that's where we're going, crucified life. So here's another one given to Tiana. Uh, on 11-28-22, persecution from the beast and harlot. I dreamt I was living and working in this professing Christian industrial and mining complex with other brethren. Well, as far as mining goes, it's not a heavenly project, spiritually speaking. Uh, John 823, uh, you are from beneath, I am from above, you are of this world, I am not of this world. So being under the ground represents, uh, you're still dead, you haven't reached revel- uh, resurrection life yet. Okay, that's what it, I believe it represents here. Okay. There were five other brethren that I worked with that I knew were real disciples of Jesus. There's those five again. The rest uh, there were just religious. Yep. So that fits with the previous revelation. Five is the number of grace and represents those who are drawn by God's grace out of the apostate church like the early disciples came out and followed Jesus. Amen. This work site was between two towns. The closest and the bigger town was called Roma. Uh, well, Roma is a feminine name that means from Rome. And this uh, reminds us of the apostate church, which originated from Rome, at least in one parable. I was on my uh, lunch break, and I went to the lunchroom area, which was a giant yellow rectangular building. And on the far corner, uh, there were showers and toilets. Well, um, this represents feeding our spiritual man with the light of the sun, slash S-O-N, represented by the yellow color, um, which is the Word of God, and also cl- cleansing ourselves and getting rid of our spiritual waste, showers and toilets, right? And Second Corinthians 7 and 1 says, Having therefore these promises, that's why you need to be in the promises, 
Beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Of course, some these uh, people don't believe in perfecting anything. They, uh, you know, are absurd about the doctrine of perfection in the scriptures. And uh, Tiana said, uh, gave Psalm one nineteen one o five. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And John 16 and 13. Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he shall guide you in all the truth. For he shall not speak from himself, but what things soever he shall hear, these shall he speak. And he shall declare unto you the things that are to come. As I started uh, walking towards the bathroom, I heard some people from the other side of the building shout out to me. I knew at that moment that they were after me because of my true faith and for truly following Jesus. Well, this is representing the coming persecution of true believers by apostate Christians and uh, the beast too who are on the opposite side from us, where Jesus placed the goats. Okay, uh, Matthew 24, 9-13 says, Then shall they deliver you up unto tribulation, and shall kill you, and, shall, and you shall be hated of all the nations for my name's sake. And then shall many stumble, and shall deliver up one another, and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall arise, and shall lead many astray. And, of course, that's, these denominations have all been led astray, you know. And because iniquity shall be multiplied, the love of the many shall wax cold. But he that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. Amen. So the persecution's coming, but... Uh, It'll help us to be crucified, and we need to endure to the end by faith in the Lord, right? She said, we all knew that worldwide persecution was coming. We had been preparing for it, and so had they. And I knew in this moment that this was the beginning of it manifesting. Yes. So we know that both the beast and the apostate harlot know what the Bible predicts in Daniel and Revelation, and in their ignorance, they are preparing to carry it out. Yeah, they've seen the persecution of Christians, but they're not like those Christians. They're not obeying like those Christians. They're not doing and obeying the Scripture like those Christians. So they don't realize that they are the ones that are going to do the persecuting and are doing it now. In Revelation 17 and 6, And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints, and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. Yes. She said, I was acting calm and casual, pretending that I didn't hear them. And I continued into the bathroom. I went in, shut the door, and saw that the window screen had already been cut. So all I had to do was to jump out. And she said, God always provides and has a way of escape. Yes, that's true. Uh, 1 Corinthians 10 and 13. But God is faithful, 
who will not suffer you to be tempted above that which you're able, but will with the temptation make also the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Mm-hmm. And uh, she gave Psalm 141.9, Keep me from the snare which they have laid for me and from the gins of the workers of iniquity. And also Luke 21.36, which, But watch ye at every season, making supplication that you may, be, may prevail to uh, escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Amen. I quickly jumped out the window and ran away from the building, trying not to draw attention to myself. Well, I believe this is representing seeing with clear discernment to escape the apostate beast system that keeps people in bondage, right? Um, I then ran over to the mining section and found this precious bowl that had white and pink patterns all over it. I believe this is representing the ability to hold the purity and love of Jesus. It was around the size of my palm, and it was special and was somehow related to our group that follows Jesus. Well, I believe the palm represents that we are in his hands and as he does his works uh, through us. Uh, and the, the small bowl represents the remnant who escape and are being born from above. Amen. I then ran to the third story of another giant building where the five brethren were working. Four of them were wearing uh, an evergreen mechanic outfit, and one a navy blue colored outfit. And this could represent being clothed with the everlasting life and heavenly garments, right? I told them that the true disciples of Jesus were now being persecuted. I felt that we couldn't leave anyone behind and that we had to warn all who would listen to come out from among them. I also heard in the Spirit not to fear or doubt because God can provide and protect us at every moment. Amen. And she gives Deuteronomy 31, 6 and 8. Be strong and of good courage. Fear not, nor be affrighted at them. For the Lord thy God, he it is that doeth, that doth go with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. And verse 8, And the Lord, he it is that doth go before thee. He will be with thee. He will not fail thee, neither forsake thee. Fear not, neither be dismayed. So, you know, you follow in the Lord's steps. You don't necessarily know too far ahead where you're going to be. <laughs> as the Lord himself spoke. But you uh, take one day at a time, right? Suspicion under the day is evil thereof. Let the more take care of itself. Mm -hmm. I went around and told many others that we had to leave, but they didn't listen. And many won't listen until destruction comes. Uh, and it's coming for many. 
and it will be too late to escape when it comes. All of a sudden, alarms started going off, and the building started to collapse. Hmm. Well, that reminded me of Hebrews twelve twenty-five through 29. It says, See that you refuse not him that speaketh. For if they escaped not when they refused him that warneth them on earth, much more shall not we escape who turn away from him that warneth from heaven whose voice then shook the earth. So now we see the apostate church system being shaken, right? But now he hath promised, saying, Yet once more will I make to tremble not the earth only, but also the heaven. And this word, yet once more, signifieth the removing of those things that are shaken. Everything made from by man can be shaken, right? as of things that have been made, that those things which are not shaken may remain. Yep. Wherefore, receive a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Let us have grace whereby we may offer service well-pleasing to God with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Yes, go to the kingdom that cannot be shaken. Amen. She said, the five real brethren and I jumped out the window onto another building roof and started running to get away from this place. Amen. Run as fast as you can. (laughs) There were others that followed after the five of us. Partway on the roof, the brother in the Navy outfit went back to help others get out of the building. And I didn't see him again after that. Well, disciples of Christ must lose their life to gain it. And also, many brethren will be martyred for Christ's namesake, and history will repeat. But the people who set this up didn't care about the life of any persons. However, they wanted to kidnap God's people. We knew that they were coming for us because we were crazy about Jesus. Well, neither the deep state beast nor the harlot care about life because they serve Satan, as they did in Jesus' day. It's all for self. The building was quickly falling, and some people that weren't true disciples of Jesus couldn't escape. Well, churchianity and its sheeple will crumble and fall, and many will lose their lives because they love the world and its deceptions and uh, more than they actually love the truth. Everyone that's of God hears the words of God, Jesus said. So she went on to say, The five of us got to the end of the roof, and we had a good view of the whole area. At the entrance of the area, were all these security cars, guards, fancy black cars, and men that looked like the men in black. And they were blocking off the entrance so that no one could get out. Yes, that's what they do. They try to keep people from growing up, climbing out of the playpen. So the men in black could represent the arm of the law that will enforce the harlot's dictates to enslave Christians 
Or it could be them just enforcing their own laws on people and putting people under the law, right? We've been shown by the Lord that the deep state Babylon will attack apostate Christianity. Over and over and over we've been shown this. Much like the beast devours the harlot, this will be a shaking of their system. Remember, God's going to drain the church swamp too, right? From the other direction, we saw that there were many people trying to escape as those buildings were also quickly falling. Yes, a lot is going to be revealed, which is going to bring a crumbling to the apostate church system, and people are going to come out from among them. So this is representing all the denominations of apostate Christianity and non-denominational denominations of apostate Christianity. And there were literally nowhere we could go so uh, we wouldn't, that we wouldn't get caught. Okay? So she gave uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, 3 through 9. When they are saying peace and safety, well, their thousand years of peace will be gone with the wind. That's what they're saying. Peace and safety, security, so on and so forth. Then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall in no wise escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief, for you are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. So then let us not sleep as do the rest, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep sleep in the night, and they that are drunken are drunken in the night. But let us, since we are of the day, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet the hope of salvation. For God appointed us not unto wrath, but unto the obtaining of salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. So we called out to God for help, and suddenly we we all had such strong faith to jump off this three-story building. <laughs> and we did. Now, don't do this in the flesh. Don't do this at home, kids. Okay? Um, and we did. But we didn't fall. We flew about 20 miles away. I have something to share with you about that in a few minutes. But right now, I'm going to share Revelation 12 and 14. And there were given to the woman the two wings of the great eagle. That's what this is symbolizing. That she might fly into the wilderness unto her place where she is nourished a time and times and a half a time from the face of the serpent. Okay, and she shared Psalm 55, 6 and 7. And I said, Oh, that I had wings like a dove. Then would I fly away and be at rest. Lo, then would I wander off. I would lodge in the wilderness. Selah. In Acts 2 and 21. And it shall be that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. In Obadiah 1 and 17. But in Mount Zion there shall be those that escape, and it shall be holy. And the house of Jacob shall possess their possessions. 
Mount Zion, by the way, is the bride, according to what John was told in Revelation. And uh, the bride will escape. Okay. In Psalm 56, 3 and 4, What time I am afraid, I will put my trust in thee. In God I will praise his word. In God have I put my trust. I will not be afraid. What can flesh do unto me? And Psalm 46, 1, 2, 3. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore will we not fear, though the earth do change, and though the mountains be shaken into the heart of the seas, and though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, and though the mountains tremble with the swelling thereof. Lots of shaking going to happen, happening now. And people need to come out from among them and be separate in order to be safe. Sanctification is what coming out from among them means. Separation from the worldly. We flew at a fast speed over the people, over the fence, over land, and part way through ocean water. And we landed on a shallow part at the end of the water. We landed in a good area that was hidden. As soon as we landed, we didn't look back. Uh, she gave Genesis 19 and 17. And it came to pass when they had brought them forth abroad. They were, what, escaping Sodom, right? That he said, Escape for thy life. Look not behind thee, neither stay thou in all the plain. Escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. Amen. Don't look back like Lot's wife, right? Ahead of us were sand hills, uh, probably representing the desert wilderness of the tribulation. Um, we climbed to the top of the hills and saw that the enemy's camp was set up. There were security guards walking around and cameras and dogs. Uh, we had to go this way, so we went around to the right of the camp to go around it. Okay. So trials from the enemy are unavoidable. But we can overcome them by staying on the right side, quote-unquote, in agreement with God and His Word, right? Amen. We went around as quietly and quickly as we could, and when we got a little further away from the enemy's camp, we came to this little two-story house. Most of us thought it best to move on, but one of the men with us was curious and knocked at on the door. Well, sometimes you should listen to other brethren that um, have a discernment, right, and not go in a way that uh, they have, uh, feel wrong. So as we will see, it's not a good idea to be too curious uh, when you're too near to the enemy's camp. We must uh, follow the Spirit in the days to come. The Spirit will lead us and guide us around much trouble. If you're not filled with the Spirit, you need it now. 
We were very hesitant and stayed a little further away in case we had to run off. Well, these men in black suits quickly came out of the door and grabbed him and tied him up and also ran after us. I got caught along with three brothers. One brother escaped, and I didn't see him again after that. The four of us got chained to poles upstairs. The men in black suits told us they had to keep us here tied up overnight, and they will come to get us in the morning. Well, tied to poles could represent crosses, I'm guessing. People need to bear their cross, right? They left us alone upstairs, and the four of us prayed and thanked God. And two of the men were very disappointed and questioning why God had allowed this to happen. They were worried that they had done some sin to cause this, and they had given up hope. Well, a lot of people do that. Condemnation destroys them, and the devil knows it. And he sends it to them time and time again, and they fall into the same old trap. Same old trap. So this represents how the enemy can conquer us through condemnation, double-mindedness, depression, and hopelessness. Uh, Romans 5, 1 through 5 says, Being therefore justified by faith, You're justified by faith. You have a clear conscience. Do you not know what's wrong? If there's anything wrong, you would know it. Your conscience would tell you, right? And you're going to be judged according to your conscience. So if you don't know of anything, you're justified by faith. Do you believe it? If you're not, if you're not believing it, you don't, you're not justified. That's the terrible thing. You're not justified. Then you bring yourself under all kinds of trouble. Because you're not accounted righteous. So, being therefore justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have had our access by faith into this grace wherein we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we also rejoice in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation worketh steadfastness, and steadfastness, approvedness, and approvedness, hope. And hope putteth not to shame, because the love of God hath been shed abroad in our hearts through the Holy Spirit which was given unto us. I and the guy named Thomas kept trying to encourage the two men and give them hope. He said, Anything is possible with God. Uh... We were encouraging them that God had a plan and he will provide a way of escape. The two other guys remained quiet and in despair, while Thomas and I prayed and praised, believing that God had a better plan for us. Well, amen. Yep, you can fall under condemnation and you just, uh, you won't be good for anything. You won't have any faith. You'll stay in captivity. Jeremiah 29.11 says, she pointed out, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you hope in your latter end. 
and you shall call upon me, and you shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. And you shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with all of your heart. Amen. Well, it was nighttime, and all of a sudden, uh, Thomas and I weren't tied up anymore. Yeah, they were praising the Lord, which, you know, binds the kings that, uh, that keep people captive. Uh, weren't tied up anymore. The chains had disappeared, and we were physically free. Well, the two other brothers were still tied up, and they were tied up because of listening to the bad report, listening to condemnation, right? So this reminds me of the situation in Acts sixteen twenty-five through 26. But about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns unto God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison house were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. Yep, they were singing and praising God. That's a good way to get set free, right? So we looked over at the two other brothers, and they were still tied up, and they saw we were free, and they told us to run. We said we weren't going to leave them behind and tried to encourage them, in other words, get rid of that condemnation, and build up their faith. But they had lost hope, and they begged us to leave before the men in black came back. Well, we can't lose hope and faith in the gospel, or we won't make it. And we won't endure to the end to be saved. It's very simple. Matthew 10 and 22, And you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. Psalm 34, 4 through 8, she gave, I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me from all of my fears. They looked unto him and were radiant, and their faces shall never be confounded. Yep, they sought the Lord, and he delivered them from their fears, right? This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. O oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that taketh refuge in him. And you know, praise and giving thanks is the language of faith. That's what it is. Isaiah 41, 11 through 14. Behold, all they that are incensed against thee shall be put to shame and confounded. They that strive with thee shall be as nothing and shall perish. Thou shalt seek them and shalt not find them, even them that contend with thee. They that war against thee shall be as nothing and as a thing of naught. For I, the Lord thy God, will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, Fear not, I will help thee. Fear not, thou worm Jacob, and ye men of Israel, I will help thee, says the Lord, and thy Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. Will he help you? Well, of course he will. Do you believe it? That's the key condition. So we opened the door to the deck because 
It had already been unlocked, and we walked out on the deck. So that sounds again like Peter's situation. The doors just came open. Yep. Then God lifted us up and placed us about 700 feet from the building. God can do that. He's done it with me. Move you. Just pick you up and move you. We started running alongside this sand path, but we stayed closer to the bushes and didn't look back. This woman saw me, and I knew instantly that she was part of the enemy, and I knew that she would call them to tell them my location and to come get me. Revelation 17 and 6 says, And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with a great wonder. Yes, these uh, very um, contentious and very competitive uh, religious systems out there, uh, they are going to turn just like the denominations of Judaism turned against the disciples. They're going to turn against them. The harlot, she is the mother of the harlots. Did you hear that? The mother of the harlots. Okay. Yes, they're all like the mother. Revelation 17 and 6, And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints. Right? I looked to my right and flew 329 feet into a tree where I could see everything. 329 feet. Isn't that something? I think the number 329 could represent John 329. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom. And we know who's going to escape. It's going to be the bride, right? And Joel 2 and 32, And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion, which is what? The bride. And in Jerusalem, there shall be those that escape, as the Lord has said, among the remnant, those whom the Lord doth call. In Revelation 12 and 14, and there were given to the woman the two wings of the great eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness unto her place, where she is nourished for a time and times and a half a time from the face of the serpent. Of course, that's a parallel to Jesus' ministry uh, of the saints in his day. He taught them for three and a half years in the wilderness, and he was the man-child, and that's who's teaching these people in Revelation 12. So I saw the men in black suits walking around looking for me. I then jumped and flew onto the roof of another building even further away, and I knew that this persecution of God's children was going to go on for a long time and that we will all have to be underground and in hiding. Mm -hmm. Yep, there will be an underground church, as they call it. It's basically those who are hiding. That's what they called an underground church for years and years and years. And I knew that God will provide supernaturally every day. 
Yes, he will. Like Elijah, who was fed by the ravens every day when he hid from the harlot Jezebel, right? And I will get to experience more exciting things like flying and more than I can imagine. Praise God. Yes, yes. And I believe this is representative of the anointing and the gifts of translation that we will receive to minister to our brethren around the world and escape enemies in the coming wilderness revival. Years ago, I had a dream of having the gift to translate people. Um, I had been translated over into what I would I considered to be Eastern Europe and preached to a crowd of people and was translated back into my bedroom. And uh, so uh, I had this dream of having this gift to translate other people. In some cases, it was uh, out of harm's way. And they would stand next to me, and we would translate to another location. So in the dream, I mentioned the fact that we didn't even have wings. (laughs) Well, okay. In other words, that's no physical uh, thing here, you know. Well, Father, um, we are so happy to know what you have done and what you have prepared for the days to come. Uh, When tribulation comes, you're going to give many miraculous deliverances, many deliverances for your people who are walking with you and justified by faith. Condemnation kept those brothers in in bondage. And so it will be because there's no faith in condemnation. There's no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. And some people just won't believe it. They will listen to the devil condemn them every time. And they, and they stay in bondage. So repent and turn to the Lord. Believe the good report. The bad report got them killed, right? Okay, so... Lord, uh, thank you so much, and thank you for teaching us and causing us to grow up in you and to come out from among them and be separate. This is a time to be mature, that we may escape all these things and to stand before the Son of Man. Thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus. All right. God bless you and keep you, saints. Now, Brother Michael's going to come and share something with you. God bless him, and God bless everybody listening. In Jesus' name, amen. Men. All right. Good night. Well, thank you, Brother David, and God bless you. Hello, saints. Good to be back with you again. Let's go to the Lord. Father God, I just praise you and I bless you, Lord. I thank you, Father, for being our God, a God that understands and wants us to keep our salvation. And you gave us the faith to do that. And I praise you, Father, for anointing us today to give out this message of keeping your faith, keeping your salvation by faith. And I thank you for it, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Folks, that's what I want to talk to you about today is keeping your salvation by faith. Let's start out in Jude chapter 1, verse 20. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, Praying in the Holy Spirit. Then Paul told us in uh, Ephesians 6 and 17. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, with all prayer and supplication, 
praying at all seasons in the Spirit, and watching thereunto in all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And then 1 Corinthians 14 and 6. But now, brethren, if I come unto you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you, unless I speak to you either by way of revelation, or of knowledge, or of prophesying, or of teaching? Then verse 13. Wherefore, let him that speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is it then? I will pray with the spirit and I will pray with the understanding also. I will sing with the spirit and I will sing with the understanding also. Then verse 18, I thank God that I speak with tongues more than you all. Howbeit in the church, I had rather speak five words with my understanding that I might instruct others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. So you can pray with your understanding and you can pray with your spirit also because Paul did both. And of course, we pray in the spirit because we don't know the things that we need to pray for, but the spirit does. The spirit who sees and he knows all things, including the future. And it's better to depend upon him and to let him pray through you according to the will of God. Jude one twenty again. But ye beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God. And this is good, folks, if you don't want to fall away. Praying in the Spirit every day builds one's faith. And we're justified by faith, meaning that we are accounted righteous by God who loves and gifts the righteous with his benefits. And in verse 21 in Jude 1, keeping yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And on some have mercy who are in doubt. Well, we want to encourage one another to faith because faith is the victory that overcomes the world. And without faith, you ain't going to be well-pleasing unto God. That tells us that in Hebrews 11. A lot of people actually glory in their doubt and in their unbelief. And you can tell them what the Word says, and you can show them how they can receive this benefit or that benefit, and they don't want to hear it because it puts them in a in a place of responsibility to exercise faith in their walk with the Lord. And, you know, it's just sad as it is, there are people you just can't help, right? As Paul said, all have not faith. Second Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 1 says, Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may run and be glorified, even as also it is with you, and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and evil men, for all have not faith. Jude one twenty three says, And some say, snatching them out of the fire, and on some have mercy with fear, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. Verse 24, Now unto him that is able to guard you from stumbling, how many of you know God can keep you from falling away? 
and to set you before the presence of his glory without blemish. God, folks, is a powerful God. And don't say he can't do it. You can say that you you can't do it, but you can't say he can't do it. And that's why you have to have faith in him and not yourself. And it goes on and says, In exceeding joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and power before all time and now and forevermore. Amen. Lord, we just thank you so much for that. Then Revelation chapter 2 and verse 3 says, And thou hast patience and didst bear for my name's sake and hast not grown weary. But I have this against thee, that thou didst leave thy first love. I wonder how many people out there have left their first love. In a lot of cases, just because they were deceived into one of the harlot houses of religion. And they didn't gain understanding on how to receive the power of Acts 1 and 8. Or even that we're supposed to have power. John chapter 20 and verse 21. Uh, Jesus therefore said to them again, Peace be unto you as the Father has sent me, so send I you. They never learned that we already do have that power over all principalities and powers and rulers of darknesses and over sin also. Luke chapter 10 and verse 19 says, Behold, I have given you authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall in any wise hurt you. They don't get these understandings, so they have this frustrated life, and they don't see nothing but failure, and they fall away. They fall away because they have stumbled into a harlot's house and been lied to over and over until they're totally deceived out of what they started with. You know, if a person would just continue to believe in the Lord Jesus as their Savior day by day and let him lead them and not trust in man, and if a person would go and seek out what he said, what Jesus said and how his precious promises delivered us from lust and over to the divine nature, they'll continue to grow. And I suggest to everybody who's stuck in some denomination that doesn't have the power of God, which are denominations you're commanded to leave in Second Timothy 3 and 5, to go home, read your Bible, because this is where you're going to get that word of life, okay? Revelation 2 and verse 5 says, Remember therefore whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I come to thee, and I will move thy candlestick out of its place, except thou repent. So, you need to go back to your first love, go back to when you first met Jesus, and how you were in love with him at that time, and you, and how you had the joy of the Lord at that time. That's the things that the scriptures will put in you, the divine nature of God. Don't be trapped by some dead institution that's killing you, spiritually speaking. And that's how most people get caught and fall away. Now let's look at another place that speaks of falling away and the reasons why. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 1. Now we beseech you, brethren, touching the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and our gathering together unto him, 
to the end that ye be not quickly shaken from your mind, nor yet be troubled either by spirit or by word or by epistle as from us, as that the day of the Lord is just at hand. The day of the Lord is both the day that the Lord comes in his first fruits and the day that the Lord comes to judge the earth. Verse 3, let no man beguile you in any wise, for it will not be. What will not be? The coming of the Lord will not be, except the falling away come first. Are we looking at falling away now? Yeah, we are. Is the Lord coming? Yes, he is. But it ain't, he ain't coming in the way expected by what we loosely call the church. You know, folks, the, the apostate church don't expect Jesus to come in his first fruits harvest. Everybody knows about his other coming, which is at the end of the tribulation period. Whether you believe it or not, that's where he's coming. The coming of the Lord is not going to happen except the falling away come first. This is the way God sanctifies his body, through the falling away. The falling away is always those people who live in sin, always. And most often they want to hide it in order to be accepted to the brethren around them. And that's why they're deceivers, hidden in your love feast and so on. God has to call them out. And so he uses the falling away to do that. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 3 says, Let no man beguile you in any wise, for it will not be except the falling away come first, and the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. Jesus and his disciples are a type in the shadow of the church. And there was one hidden in their midst, a son of perdition, and his name was Judas. They didn't know who Judas was. He was hidden, and it took the falling away in order to reveal him. John chapter 13, verse 26 says, Jesus therefore answered, He it is for whom I shall dip the sop and give it him. So when he had dipped the sop, he take, he taketh and giveth it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. And the disciples had been asking, Who is he? Is it I, Lord? Well, they didn't know who it was, did they? John 13, 27 says, And after the sop, S-O-P, son of perdition, then entered Satan into him. Jesus therefore said unto him, What thou doest, do quickly. So a son of perdition is one who is inhabited by Satan. Here Judas Iscariot was hidden in the midst, and up until this time, nobody knew that uh, what he was since he was even doing signs and wonders with the rest of them. Only in the falling away was the son of perdition revealed. And so it's that away with the larger body today. The same exact thing happens because of Ecclesiastes 1 and 9. That which hath been, and that which shall be, and that which hath been done, and that which shall be done. There's no new thing under the sun. The difference is that the son of perdition today is a much larger corporate body than he was in their day. But then... The body of Christ is also a much larger corporate body. John 17 and 12 says, While I, Jesus is talking here, While I was with them, I kept them in thy name which thou hast given me. And I guarded them, and not one of them perished, but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. 
Well, what scripture needs to be full as to falling away? Second Thessalonians chapter two says to the end that ye be not quickly shaken from your mind, nor yet be troubled either by spirit or by word or by epistle as from us, as that the day of the Lord is just at hand. Verse three, let no man beguile you in any wise, for it will not be except the falling away come first and the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. Well, the coming of the Lord ain't going to happen until the falling away comes first. Are you seeing it? Yeah, we are. A tremendous falling away is happening in these days. Like we've never seen before. People are totally turned over to their lusts and totally in rebellion against the, against the Lord God. And they are deceivers. They're hiding in the midst until they're caught and revealed. By the falling away. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 4. He, talking about the son of perdition here, that opposes and exalts himself. You know, when people are falling away, they exalt themselves. It's what they believe is a doctrine. It's what they want to do. And if you don't listen to them, and if you don't follow them, they're going to be mad at you. And it goes on to say, against all that is called God. A lot of people there think this is the Antichrist. But you can see now that this is not the Antichrist. It is an Antichrist corporate body in the church, and it's falling away from the people of God. First John chapter 2 and verse 19 says, They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out, that they might be made manifest, that they all are not of us. They got to come out so that the body sparkles. Paul called it glorious, right? Ephesians 5, 27, that he might present the church to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. The corporate body of the bride is without spot or blemish. Now, how is the body going to come into the image of Christ if there are spots and blemishes hiding in it? Well, individually, we have to be delivered of these, and corporately, we need to be be delivered of these. When Jesus was explaining the parable of the weeds, he said in Matthew 13, 41, the Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that cause stumbling and them that do iniquity and shall cast them into the furnace of fire. And there shall be the weeping and the gnashing of teeth. And well, what happens after that? 43. Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. He that hath ears, let him hear. That's the cleansing of the corporate body. Second Thessalonians chapter two and verse four says, he that opposes and exalts himself against all that is called God or that is worshiped so that he sits in the temple of God. Now I know that there's a lot of people out there waiting for the Jews to rebuild the temple so that the Antichrist can show up. But that letter of the word is destroying them. 
They're teachers who have received no revelation in the spirit. They hadn't, hadn't walked with God to find out what God had to say about these things, who have taught that this is some physical temple and an individual physical antichrist. They don't know what they're talking about. The Bible only says that there are many antichrists. First John chapter two, uh, verse 18, 22, and on and on. This is an antichrist. It, it's, it's an antichrist that coming out of the corporate body of Christ, but it is not the antichrist. The word temple in this text, that's the Greek word naos, N-A-O-S, which was used by Paul nine times, but he never used it as the physical temple because naos means that part of the temple where God himself resides. The physical temple is the Greek word H-I-E-R-O-N, meaning a temple, either the whole building or specifically the outer courts open to worshipers. Now here Paul uses naos because he's talking about someone being in the body of Christ. They are in the body of Christ, as Jesus said in Matthew 13, 20, 22, 24 through 30. But he's going to kick them out of his kingdom. He's going to spew them out of his mouth, Revelation three sixteen, which means out of his body. Well, we've had people tell us, oh, they're never, they were never saved to begin with. I know there's one group that always believes that. No, they were saved, but they didn't endure in faith and bear the fruit of Jesus Christ in their life. Second Thessalonians chapter two and verse four says, he that opposes and exalts himself against all that is called God or that is worshiped so that he sits in the temple of God, setting himself forth as God. That is so true. They very often judge as if they are God, but they're not. And they quite often rule themselves and are ruled by demon spirits and not by God. Verse 5, remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things. And now you know that, you know that which strain, restrains to the end that he may be revealed in his own season. As we read in verse 3, except the falling away come first, can the man of sin be revealed? The falling away is that which restraineth. Only after someone in the body falls away does the rest of the body realize, oh, there he is. Now, some people claim this is speaking of the Holy Spirit. That's ridiculous. These are not people who know anything because it tells you right in the text that they're wrong. Second Thessalonians 2 and 6 says, And now you know that which restrains to the end that he may be revealed in his own season. The falling away has to come before he, the son of perdition, is revealed or else you won't know who he is. We just saw that the disciples didn't know who Jesus was until he fell away. Verse 7, For the mystery of lawlessness does already work, only there is one that restraineth now. Now again, the one that restraineth is the son of perdition. He's restraining the coming of the son for his people. Then it goes on to say, until he be taken out of the way. Now, the numeric pattern says literally he comes out of the midst. 
He has to come out of the mist. What's he coming out of the mist of? He comes out of the mist of the Niles, the temple of God's people. And then verse 8, And then shall be revealed the lawless one. When Judas came out, he was revealed to be the one that Jesus spoke about. Until then, the rest of them wasn't even sure of who it was. And they weren't self-confident about themselves either. Then it goes on and says, Whom the Lord Jesus shall slay with the breath of his mouth and bring to naught by the manifestation of his coming. Only now, after the falling away and the son of perdition has been revealed, does Jesus come. Folks, the falling away is going to happen in two stages. Because God has a first fruits harvest, then he has an end gathering harvest at the end. The end gathering harvest will be going on throughout the seven years of the tribulation. But the first fruits harvest occurs at the beginning of tribulation. Just as Jesus brought forth a first fruits harvest at the beginning of his ministry in order to teach and train up the people during the tribulation that came in his day. So even right now, we're seeing a falling away. And then later, during the tribulation, we're going to see a falling away because the people in tribulation will have to go through the things that the first fruits already have gone through to get them to that point of being sanctified. Falling away is a way to sanctify the body because then those who are sons of perdition are revealed and they're no longer accepted as members of that body. And usually you can identify them because of their lust and the things that they hide about themselves. They want to be accepted as right and they don't want to confess their sins or get rid of them And because they don't confess their sins, they don't get rid of them. They build up and build up until they're completely taken out. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 8 says, And then shall be revealed the lawless one, whom the Lord Jesus shall slay with the breath of his mouth, and bring to naught by the manifestation of his coming. Even he whose coming is according to the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceit of unrighteousness for them that perish. How come they're able to deceive people who are perishing? And it goes on and says, because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. Well, who can a deceiver deceive? Only those who don't have the love of the truth, because the love of the truth is what would save them. There are purposes for the Judases, the deceivers. They come in order to cleanse the body. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 11 says, And for this call, God sends them a working of error. Well, who was the worker of error? Well, in this case, it was the son of perdition, Judas that they should believe a lie. And that's because they didn't love the truth, because the truth wasn't important to them. They believed the lie. Verse 12, that they all might be judged who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. But we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, Brethren, beloved of the Lord, for that God chose you from the beginning unto salvation 
and sanctification of the Spirit. Well, if you'll notice, you were chosen to inherit salvation. You have it by faith in the beginning, but as you walk it out, you are receiving it by manifestation. But salvation is what? It's none other than Jesus Christ. Colossians 1.27 Christ in you, the hope of glory. When you have salvation by faith, your faith is accounted as righteousness. And if you continue to walk in the faith, that salvation which you have in your spirit will continue to be more and more manifested in your soul and in your mind and in your will and in your emotions. Folks, it will be manifest. Well, what does salvation look like? It looks just like Jesus. First John 2 and 6 says, He that says he abides in him ought himself also to walk even as he walked. Glory to God. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13 says, But we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, for that God chose you from the beginning unto salvation in sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. David said in Psalms 119 and 160, The sum of thy word is true. And it's true that when you put all the word about a particular subject together, you have the truth. And the pieces can lead you astray. It's not that the pieces are not the truth, but they're part of a larger truth. It's like a jigsaw puzzle. Each piece is a part. Looking at one piece, you can't say you have the whole puzzle. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 14 says, Whereunto he called you through our gospel. In other words, you were invited to partake of salvation through sanctification of the Spirit in the belief of the truth. He invited you to partake of all of this. He's not talking to lost people out here, folks. He's talking to what everybody calls saved people. And they're saved by faith. But they have to continue on in their faith in order to bear the fruit and manifest their salvation. For instance, if you're believing for a healing, then you take your eyes off that sickness, then you get your eyes on the healer. But if you don't endure in your faith until the end, you don't receive that benefit of the healing. And you also have to endure in faith in order to receive the benefit of the healing of your soul also. You are to, as First Timothy 6 and 12 says, fight the good fight of the faith, lay hold on the life eternal, whereunto thou wast called, and didst confess the good confession in the sight of many witnesses. So you can claim you're saved, and a lot of people don't understand that they're claiming their salvation by faith before it's manifested. Hebrews 11 and 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You're claiming something by faith before you see it. But when you start in the kingdom, you're claiming everything by faith, and that faith is accounted as righteousness until you manifest that righteousness. Faith is a means to the end to manifest the righteousness. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 14 says, Whereunto he called you, or he invited you, through 
our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, you see that it's not just by faith, but it's by manifestation. Verse 15, so then, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye were taught, whether by word or by epistle of ours. Now, our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace. 17, comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. You know, one thing that will keep a person from falling away is to have the hope of his calling, to receive and to understand the hope of his calling, which is what? Colossians one twenty seven. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Most people don't have hope of much. They're not taught these great benefits of the kingdom. They're not taught that we are called to come into the image of Jesus Christ and do his work, his way. They're not taught that that's why we're here. They're not taught that they have the opportunity to bear the fruit of Jesus Christ 30, 60, and a hundredfold. The hope of this calling exhorts you to holiness, but they hadn't been taught this true doctrine. 1 John 2 and 24. As for you, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If that which you heard from the beginning abide in you, you also shall abide in the Son and in the Father. The only true doctrine is to hold fast to that which you heard from the beginning. Ephesians 1 verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Well, what is that spiritual blessing? Well, spiritual blessings can be anything you need to further your walk with the Lord. And a lot of people think the spiritual blessings are the fruits of the Spirit. Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. And other people say the spiritual blessings are the gifts of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12 and 8, for to one is given through the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge, according to the same Spirit, to another faith. And in the same spirit, and to another, gifts of healing. In the one spirit, and to another, workings of miracles. And to another, prophesy. And to another, discerning of spirits. And to another, diverse kinds of tongues. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. Both the fruits and the gifts are all spiritual blessings. But so are things you might not think of as being spiritual blessings. For example, I remember a story by Robert Slearden. He had been taken to heaven and the angels that was with him took him by a warehouse and he asked the angels, he said, what is that? <clears throat> and the angel took him inside and showed him uh, all these body parts, legs and arms and organs such as hearts and eyes. The people hadn't collected them because when they started out in faith, they didn't endure in their faith to receive them. 
you know, these physical needs are also spiritual blessings because these are blessings that you need in the kingdom to promote the kingdom. You won't be able to promote the kingdom and share the gospel if your body doesn't work, will it? And if you'll notice, all of these he's blessed us with are in spiritual places in Christ. They're in Christ. So where do you get them? You have to abide in him by your faith. Anything you need has been given to you. And it's kind of like the parable of Esther. Anything she needed was given to her to go from the house of the women to the house of the king. The bride is choosing those things that are pleasing unto the king. And that's why she's going to be chosen as the bride. Ephesians 1 and 4 says, Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be, we should be something. That's talking about manifestation right there. That we should be holy and without blemish before him in love having foreordained us unto adoption as sons. The Bible says that a child is as a servant. Galatians 4 and 1 says, But I say that as, so long as the heir is a child, he differs nothing from a bondservant, though he is Lord of all. You know, but the word son is pointing to the relationship between the son and the father. Galatians 4 and 7 says, So that thou art no longer a bondservant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Now a son, either by birth or adoption, figuratively, anyone sharing the same nature as their father, emphasizes likeness of the believer to the heavenly father. In other words, resembling his character more and more by living in faith. And that highlights the legal right to the father's inheritance. In other words, as the believer lives in conformity with the father's nature or his purpose. A child or servant doesn't have that relationship. Jesus is the son of God. He manifests sonship. And the whole creation, folks, is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God in hopes that the creation itself would be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the liberty and the glory of the children of God. Romans 8, 18 through 19. <clears throat> it's a sonship that we're looking for. We're looking to manifest the Son of God. Glory to God. Ephesians 1 verse 5 says, Having foreordained us unto adoption as son through Jesus Christ unto himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. There it is. Sonship is in Christ Jesus. God has not given you a gift outside of Christ so that you can do what you want with it. There are people out there that think, well, he's given us salvation. No, your salvation is in Christ. Jesus said in John chapter 15 and verse 6, If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. It's not a gift given to you that he, can, that he can't take back. It's given to you in Christ. The law was only a meantime thing, folks. 
Galatians 3 and 19 says, what then is the law? It was added because of transgressions till the seed should come to whom the promise has been made. And it was, folks, ordained through angels by the hand of a mediator. That seed was Christ. The promise was made to Christ. How, how does it become your, your promise? It's when you abide in Christ. The promise is in the beloved. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7 says, In whom we have our redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, making known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure which he purposed in him, unto a dispensation of the fullness of the time, to sum up all things in Christ. And as we've learned, it's not all things in Christ, because this is talking about people. It is to sum up all in Christ. All of the elect will be summed up in Christ. You are written in when you get saved, Luke chapter 10, verse 20. But he said he would blot your name out of the book unless you overcame. Who's going to be there at the end? The ones who bear fruit. The, 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 those spotless and blemishless ones who bear fruit are the ones that's going to be there. The many called will have fallen away. But the called who are chosen will still be there in Matthew 20 and 16. They are those whose names will not be blotted out from the book of life. Now, Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 10 says, Unto a dispensation of the fullness of the time to sum up all things in Christ. The things, again, these words are not in the original manuscript. There ain't no numeric pattern for things. Paul is talking about people here. In the heavens and the things upon the earth. He's talking about all in Christ. And some of us have gone on. Some of us are still here, but we'll all be summed up in Christ, in the body of Christ. In him, I say, in whom also we were made a heritage. So if you abide in him and you bear much fruit, and if you don't abide in him, you're, broke, you're broken off as a branch. It's just like the olive tree in Romans 11 and 19. Thou wilt say then, branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Well, by their unbelief they were broken off, and thou standest by thy faith. Be not high minded, but fear, for if God spared not the natural branches, neither will he spare thee. Folks, you stand by faith, and if you lose faith, you're going to be broken off. Ephesians 1 and 11 says, In whom also we were made a heritage, having been foreordained according to the purpose of him who works all things after the counsel of his will, to the end that we should be unto the praise of his glory. We who had before hoped in Christ, in whom ye also, having heard the word of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom having also believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Now I'd like for you to notice that in the book of Acts, there wasn't an argument about whether you ought to receive the Holy Spirit or not. 
the disciples just told people about the Holy Spirit and the people wanted it. You too are expected exactly as they were in the book of Acts to be saved and to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But there is a destructive, lying, anti-Christ religious spirit out there about not receiving the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. Folks, the Holy Spirit is the power. Acts 1 and 8 says, But ye shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and ye shall be my witnesses. There's a lot of people out there who aren't sealed with the Holy Spirit, and they fall away a whole lot more often. However, having the Holy Spirit is not what saves you. It's obeying the Holy Spirit that saves you. People who do get filled with the Holy Spirit, they might still decide to follow the flesh. And then they keep on walking after the flesh. What does the Bible say? Romans 8 and 13 says, For if ye live after the flesh, ye must die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. There is no way you can manifest sonship without being filled with the Holy Spirit. And as we just read, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you shall be my witnesses. Ephesians 1 and 13, in whom ye also, having heard the word of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom, having also believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is an earnest of our inheritance. Well, an earnest is a down payment. In other words, the Holy Spirit is a down payment of our inheritance. Unto the redemption of God's own possession. That's until he redeems you completely. Unto the praise of his glory. Now, we're getting to the part about the hope of your calling in Ephesians 1 and 4. When you understand what you're called to and you're constantly cooperating with God along the way by exercising your faith in the promises of God, you ain't going to have any problem. But if you think all you have to do is accept Jesus as your personal Savior, then go back there and sit on a pew and wait for the rapture. That's what all these lying teachers are saying. They say that you received it all and that's all there is to it, then you're going to fall away. I've heard a lot of them say that your salvation, the only thing you'll ever receive from God, that is a lie straight from the pit. Ephesians 1 and 1 and 15 says, For this cause I also, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus, which is among you, and the love which he showed toward all the saints, this is one thing that's going to be left. When the spots and blemishes are gone, there's going to be love among the disciples. You know, we've had a lot of people come into our assembly and tell us that they've never seen love among God's people like they're seeing here. Well, you know, he's still working. God is cleansing. God is sanctifying. And it's awesome. I, you know, I Myself, I've never been among people that were more loving. And you can tell the ones who don't love, and they're always the ones who fall away. You can see them ahead of time. Jesus always saw because he could tell by their fruit. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 15 says, For this cause I also, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus, which is among you, and the love which you show toward all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, 
that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened. Since Paul prayed this prayer, it's obviously something that can and does happen. Or he wouldn't have prayed the prayer. God wouldn't have anointed him to pray it. This is a prayer that was answered and could be answered. So this is a real possibility for anybody who walks by faith. If you continue to walk in faith, you're going to have it. Lord, we ask that you give us this spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. And Lord, we want our spiritual eyes to be opened up. Glory to God. Ephesians 1 Verse 18 says, having the eyes of your heart enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are you called to? What are you invited to partake of? Well, it's Christ in all of his glory. He made reconciliation. He made an exchange and he took away your old life, your old sinful life, and he nailed it on that cross. We were crucified with Christ and he gave his life for you. And that was the exchange. That was the reconciliation. The hope of his calling. That's the fullness of Christ. Just like the Bible says in Colossians 1.27. And Ephesians 1 and 18 says this. Having the eyes of your heart enlightened. That you may know what is the hope of his calling. What the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. What was your inheritance from your parents? You inherited their nature. You inherited the nature of fallen man through your parents. And you had you have inherited blood that's been corrupted. And now you're inheriting blood that's not created. You're a new creation. You're inheriting all that Christ is. When he came in, he brought all his tools with him for you to walk this overcoming life. And I want you to notice it says the riches of glory because you see Christ in the mirror by faith and you grow from glory to glory into that same image of Christ. Ephesians 1 and 19 says, and what the exceeding greatness of his power, and that means miraculous might, powerful deeds, deeds showing physical power, marvelous works. And what the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe. You know, God has power. And there's a lot of preachers out there that will insist you can't be perfect. But they've never looked up the word perfect in the Bible to find out what it says. And it's obvious they've never even read the Bible. We know that we can't do this. But we also know that the exceeding greatness of his power can do this. And it's to usward that he gives this great power to. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 19 says, And what the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to that working of the strength of his might, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. You know, when God raised Christ from the dead, he raised you from the dead also. First Corinthians fifteen twenty two: For is Adam, as in Adam, all die. So also in Christ shall all be made alive. Folks, if you abide in Christ, you're going to come to that resurrection life. You did abide in Adam, and he did die. 
And all the elect shall be made alive, but not necessarily all the called. Because some people are invited and they don't bother to come. Jesus gave the parable of the banquet about those who received an invitation to come to the wedding feast, but every one of them had excuses and they didn't come. And Jesus also gave an example of a man who did come to the feast, but didn't have on a wedding garment. And so he was cast forth into outer darkness. Folks, we have to put on Christ. Nobody should even suspect that they'll be in the wedding feast without putting on Christ, okay? You have to bear the fruit of Christ in your life. Ephesians one twenty, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead, made him to sit at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion in every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And if you'll notice that when you are in Christ, you also are far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. When you abide in Christ, you have his authority. Jesus said in John chapter 20 and verse 21, As the Father has sent me, even so send I you. And in Luke ten nineteen, Behold, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy. He is giving that authority to those that abide in him. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 22, And he put all things in subjection under his feet. And once again, there ain't no uh, numeric pattern in the word things. And it ought not to be there because this is talking about people again. He put all in subjection. Whether it's people, principalities, or powers, or whatever, that it ought to read this way. And he put all in subjection under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church. So he's the head of the body. And that's the church. Verse 23, which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. He's the head. The body is the church. And even under the feet of the church, everything has been put in subjection. We've been given dominion, folk, and that's an awesome thing. The hope of our calling is super important because it enables us to continue to walk by faith. So we know that this hope of the calling is Christ, right? Ephesians 3 and 14 says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father. Now, right here, Paul is praying again. And remember that anything he prays for is something that you can have. Verse 15, From whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. Folks, God's got a plenty of glory to give out. And remember that we grow from glory to glory, right? That's 1 Corinthians 15, 40 and 41. That glory, by the way, is an outshining of the righteousness of God in us. And it goes on and says, that ye may be strengthened with power. That's his power. That ain't our power. Through his spirit in the inward man. Both were commanded to be filled with the Spirit of God. 
verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now, how does Christ come into your heart? Well, you some people think you just invite him into your heart at the very beginning of your walk. No, Paul's talking here to people who have known God. You exercise faith. Christ comes into your heart as you exercise faith. How much Christ can you have in your heart? Well, he's going to tell you here, Ephesians 3 and 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith to the end that you being rooted and grounded in love. Folks, if you have Christ, you're going to have love. And if a person doesn't have love, that's a place that they don't have Christ. Verse 18, may be strong to apprehend. Paul don't want you to just understand this. He wants you to receive it. Praise God. Then Ephesians uh, 3.18. May be strong to apprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ. Folks, you can apprehend all of Christ. And if you don't believe that, let's keep going here which passes knowledge that you may be filled unto all the fullness of God. Folks, this is the hope of his calling, is to be filled unto all the fullness of God. Continue on with your faith in the promises. Dig into the New Testament. Search out those promises. Hold fast to them. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on life that is eternal. Glory to God. Well, I'm out of time. God bless you. We'll see you again next time, God willing. For information, materials, and to contribute, go to unleavenedbreadministries.org. Contributions only may be addressed to David Eels, Post Office Box 231616, Montgomery, Alabama, 36123. My thirsting soul, pure as water, made me whole. Let your streams of mercy flow, oh Jesus. I trust in you. Though the mountains fall into the sea, though the rivers rise, I still believe. For your mercy stands and your word is true, oh Jesus.
Jesus.